When's the last time you drove on a Saturday or Sunday morning and listened to weekend radio? Would you um, listen to radio in the car? I mean, no, never. I always hook up the Spotify and I listen to music or a podcast okay. or something. I haven't listened to radio. Like The only time I will listen to radio mm-hmm. is if my phone is dead or... Like, I might get a wild hair every now and then. Just like, hey, you know what? Let's turn on the radio, but it's always music. I don't listen to a wild sports hair, radio like a or, or talk radio woods? or anything. Bingo. Wild H-A-R-E mm-hmm. hair. Thought so? Yep. Um, I'm just well, not. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm too advanced. I, I listen to the radio, like, when I make short drives, because I also like to plug my phone in. I have that nice car play set up in my, in my, phone, in my car. It's really awesome. Sure. So I always plug my phone in and usually listen to audiobooks or podcasts, but... In those, in the like the minute from when I turn my car on to when I get the phone plugged in, I hear the radio, or when I run to the grocery store, whatever, hear the radio. Let me tell you, there is nothing worse in the in the spectrum of entertainment than weekend radio. It is awful, and mine's on. Uh, it's like a local sports station, one zero four three, the fan. So it's always like sports, but on the weekends, it's like. So, Steve, tell us about mortgage rates. Are they, are they right? Are they is now a good time to look to purchase a home? Oh, well, I'm glad See, you but asked. You know what's funny? Yeah. <laughs> I'd be more inclined to listen to that than <laughs> listen to the local sports no, radio. It's so bad. <laughs> I'd rather so understand bad. the and real estate market. Like on Sunday mornings, like this morning, it's like uh, it's like Bill and Jim's fishing adventures, right? And so it's like. Like, so, Bill, uh, what's the best uh, bait to use out there to catch the the crow or whatever they're you know cr- crawfish or the catfish or whatever the hell they're searching for, right? And go. Well, that's certainly not local Colorado <laughs> radio, but yes. And they'll go. And they'll go. Well, I'm glad you asked. There, uh, it's more about the hook. You're gonna want three and a half instead of four and a half here on this one. And it's just like I can't believe that. But you know why it is? It's because. The radio industry is so starving for money, they're all cheap. Even like the iHeart radios, they're all so goddamn cheap that they just whore themselves out to the highest bidder on the weekends. So it's just whoever will, they, they pay for the time, right? So the fishing guys, or the mortgage guys, or whatever, they pay to be on the radio. So that's how that works. And all these stations are just like, yeah, how much you got? Sure, you can talk about, you know, th- three ways with Shetland ponies if you want to. Go ahead. So anyway, I, I heard some weekend radio this morning. I'm like, yeah, I, do, I don't really miss my time doing that because I at one point in my in my early career I was doing weekend radio right there with the best of them. It, so oh god, no doubt. Look, you uh, you, you're self loathing. That's what this <laughs> it is. It is very much so. You've you've, you've gotten no. Look, well. there's no time for radio. First of all, on Saturdays because we're watching college football, Tyler. Yes. And what a Saturday it was. I mean, wow. Um, well, we need to lead off with it just because it's the biggest game of the week, but we got to, we got to talk, uh, Texas, Alabama about that game. Um, I mean, here's my thing. First of all, super impressed by Texas. Quinn Ewers played incredible. Um, it's a bad board victory for me. That's not why I'm bringing it up. No, no, that was a great uh, bad board victory for you. It was a good one. Well, look, I thought that I really did feel like the reason why pretty much the entire thought process that went into me picking Texas is the same questions I had about Alabama in the preseason, right? And looking back on it, it's like, I don't know why, like, it, it to me, it's, correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, it seems like, you know, obviously, Georgia's the consensus. Everyone is, was picking Georgia to, uh, to repeat, to win the SEC, blah, blah, blah. But 
pretty much everyone had Alabama penciled in as like right there as well. well I think a lot, well, there's a lot of people the, that had them so, making the playoff. People had them pit, winning the national championship. Am I right? So the market it was actually a little bit behind where I was on Alabama. I was optimistic, which is partly why I looked at this being a a value pick because I was ahead of Alabama where a lot of other people were. So I looked at the minus seven and said, no, I, I think minus eight. Sounds more correct. So, and that, and, but, but so most people who like most people who do the rankings, these power ratings, and the market in general had Alabama closer to that number four spot. I think the the overwhelming okay. number two right now would be Michigan, right behind them, Ohio State, and then you're going to get the Alabama. So uh, I was obviously okay. Yeah. So I'm glad you say that because because this is actually going to fall into an Ohio State thing as well. But my point is that. Like, like, I know I, I have some friends that are big Alabama guys, and I talk with them, and they were, like, all on the hype train this year. Like, this is this is the year. And, like, what I couldn't wrap my head around was, like, hey, the last couple of years have been, like, two of what we would call, like, the worst saving years, right, which is saying something, right? Like, him not winning a national championship or, you know, or getting there or whatever. Like, they, he missed the playoff one year. Um, those are, like – and again, like we, all this has to be held within the context of what we know Nick Saban and Alabama to be, right? They were great teams the last couple of years, but they just weren't up to like that standard, right? Well, and I mean, I, 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 now well, they lose. I, I disagree with that. I mean, last year, the two losses that they had, even though they ended up being losses, I mean, the ESPN win probability that they show was right there around 50% with like a minute or so to go in each of those games. So I'm not willing to say right. that because the, the I, I, I use examples like that all the time. It's like, okay, so if a kicker kicks a ball six feet to the left, does that make the team a better team because they won the game? Okay. So I don't think last year Fair was point. like a down year for Alabama. I think that that was the narrative. And I think this game drives that narrative in. So everyone who is thinking along those lines is going to say, see, look, and we're going to get major value in some big games coming up for Alabama. Let's not forget a few things about Texas. Texas is elite, top 10 team. Nick Saban in his career, he's I, I believe he's uh, – I saw a stat from a couple years ago when he was 32-10, and 10, so it's obviously a different record now. But it's not like he's 37-3. and three. He's, you know, that's three wins, one loss, three wins, one loss. And even though it was in Tuscaloosa, you don't expect them to do that at home. I think Texas may be a very underrated team. Sark may be looked at as, right now, potentially an underrated coach from how I had it, from how other people had it. So that probably was more about Texas, in my opinion. And let's, let, let's do this. I don't want to make an excuse for the pick, but I still believe I'm going to have Alabama far ahead where the market doesn't where other people do because of that narrative. So I don't really... Buy sure. into it, but but you know, I guess we'll see. Okay, but here's my here's my point though that I that I wanted to make is like you're right. Like the their two losses were really close last year. They easily could have been undefeated. By the way, they had two wins that were the exact same way that could have easily gone the there other way. But my point is that results wise, it wasn't great last year. And they lose they last year they lose Bryce Young, a historically good quarterback. They lose Will Johnson, they lose a ton of talent. I know we're so used to to Alabama reloading, but specifically with the quarterback position, they lose that. And we knew a little bit about Jalen Milrow from last year from when Bryce Young was hurt. Like, we knew this guy, um, super talented, like a great player, but kind of limited in, in his ability. He certainly is not the same pocket-passing threat that we knew Bryce Young and Tua to be before that, right? And so, like, that was what was baked into my entire analysis. It was like, hey, I don't know if, if this Milrow kid is what we're used to seeing at, at Alabama, and I do think – that they downgraded the quarterback play from last year to this year. 
and they lose a lot of other talent. I mean, we're still talking about a team that only brought back like five offensive starters and I think six or seven on defense, new coordinators and stuff that are but big that's question never been marks. A for Alabama and so, like, before, the, the, the new players, that's true. But here, here, let, 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 let me let me say this though because it just doesn't feel like the like the dominant Alabama and that was like what baked in my whole pick for going with Texas there's like something feels off with Alabama that that was my whole analysis I actually agree with you that this year's game see because when you when you said Alabama's been doing this last few years that's where I sort of disagreed with that take but I believe that this right. game against Texas shows us a lot they were seven point favorites at home and lost by 10 that's a big right. like. That's not only not covering. That's a big discrepancy. That's the on, that's the only. By the way, the only double digit home loss Nick Saban has ever had in his entire college coaching career. Exactly. So this game against Texas shows me more. Right. I'm gonna downgrade based on this more than I would have last year's two losses because I think it's a fundamental thing. I think this is a Nick Saban thing. And every couple, I don't want to say couple, like every five to seven years, Nick Saban has done this where he has to adjust. Remember. Nick Saban 1.0 was old school football, defense wins it, quarterback doesn't lose it. Then Nick Saban 2.0 right. was, okay, we can't beat Johnny Manziel. If you can't beat him, join him. Let's get one of those quarterbacks. Let's start running more offensive tempo, more more spread. And then I sure. think we're about to see Nick Saban 3.0 in the next year or two. because Or he's going to – one of two other things is going to happen. He's either going to retire or just become an average coach. I don't think he's going to allow the average coaching to happen. I think once he sees the writing on the wall, he's going to get out. So – I think he, either he's going to retire or he's going to we're going to see Nick Saban 3.0 where who knows what that's going to be. But maybe it's looser with the recruits, with the NIL, with the, you know, because look at what Kirby Smart's doing right now. He's getting the best talent. He's winning these games with the best coaching right. staffs. And, and he's doing to Nick Saban what Nick, Nick Saban did to others for a long time. So I think we see a shift here soon. But I agree overall, Will, that Alabama looks different. There's a reason they look different. And that's a fundamental ch- different it's a fundamental change that we can look at and see a program going through right in front of our eyes. So I think that they deserve a downgrade, but everything I said earlier is true. I think I'm still going to be above them and yeah. they're going to be value in the next couple of weeks or totally. maybe for some, well, bigger look, they can still, season. they can still win the sec and go to the playoff and win the national championship game. So it's not like this is like, uh, you know, the ending for Alabama, but again, like to me, it's just like, the real difference in what we've seen in Alabama the last few years versus what we were used to seeing is that, yeah, Georgia and Kirby Smart have just taken a bite of their market. Like, all the, a lot of the players, the top-tier talent guys that are going to Georgia were never do, going anywhere but Alabama before right. that, right? And so, I, I like, honestly, there's only so many of these five-star guys, and not all of them are just going to Alabama anymore. And, so, and a lot of them are going to start going to the University uh, he, of Colorado. So... <laughs> yeah, very good point. Very good point. So and my last point I want to make there is, again, like this is going to be baked into that same analysis on Alabama. Like, hey, you don't just lose a guy like Bryce Young and take what appears to be a, a slight step down and, and play at quarterback and just all of a sudden be amazing. That's the exact same analysis I have for Ohio State. Like people were picking Ohio State to be a top three team in the country. I don't know who they are because you don't just lose C.J. Stroud and a bunch of awesome guys uh, from that team either. And, and assume that, hey, even though we, we typically all Ohio State quarterbacks get are just as good under Ryan Day, I don't know that we've really seen that quite yet out of, uh, out of Kyle McCord. And again, I could be well, wrong, that's interesting but you say it's going to be part of my it's analysis. you say that because you, when you do a lot of your handicapping and your predictions and your, and your outlook or your, your previews, 
one thing that you say a lot is, until I see it, I can't bet on or against it, right? So I just wonder why you're there with Ohio State, because we really haven't seen it, but you're willing to go there with them. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I just and, and what I've seen, again, it hasn't been against top-tier competition. It's been against Indiana and now Youngstown State. Kyle McCord is not... I don't think he's like 75% as oh, so good as what CJ Stroud was. That's how. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just don't, I, like, I, to me, there's still question marks there. And they're super talented, and they're more talented than 90% of their schedule, and they're going to win those games just because they are better. But when the chips are down, and, uh, and of course, you know, we're, we've got that Notre Dame game looming. We already have a bet board on that. Um, I have questions about Ohio State against top tier talent. And so. Um, we'll see. But again, I don't want to get too far away from that massive win for Sark and for Texas. Texas is back. I mean, they're back, right? I don't know what the website says, but they have to be back after this win. Uh, let's see. Is Texas back And they can totally still lose two games and go off the rails and things become a disaster. But we look at what the rest of the Big 12 looks like. I mean, to me, it, all they have to do is not fuck up, which is, by the way, in parentheses, Texas usually fucks up, right. so just keep that in mind. All they have to do is not fuck up, and they're going to win the Big 12 and be in the playoff. That's how talented this so team is. So it says last week, because we checked this on the show last week, they were 10% back. Nope. And this week, they are 20% back. Nope. That, I mean, that's such no, bullshit. You can't, you can't say that they're not back they're right not back, now. They're so, I know they may not be back in a month from now, if they lose some games, but as of now, Texas is fully back. I mean, Quinn Ewers was amazing. That like that that they. By the way, their offensive and defensive line fucking wrecked Alabama. Ewers had so much time to yeah. throw in the pocket. Uh, their defensive line was stuffing Alabama left and right. They're so big and deep on both sides of the line. Like again, if if Texas can stay healthy and just not make crucial mistakes. They're, this team is so talented. They honestly, they might be the most talented team in the country, like okay, legitimately, okay. top to bottom. We need to hold on though. Like we we need to not overdo it. I mean, they didn't wreck or thrash or whatever you said. I mean, it was 16-13 in the fourth quarter. We shouldn't forget that. Alabama was winning this game in the fourth quarter. Texas pulled away late, which is the sign of a good team who uh probably coached better late, probably had better legs, right? Didn't get as tired. So you gotta give them credit for it, right? They outscore Alabama 21-8 in the fourth quarter, that's a big deal. But it was still 16-13 in the fourth quarter. So you play, you know, you play three quarters of football. I think that's a decent sample size to say, well, they didn't, you know, wreck them, I don't think. I I would disagree with that. That's true. It just seemed like they were they were pushing it like they were kind of playing bully ball on the offense or on the line of scrimmage. It's it's, it's in the middle, right? They, they, They looked a lot better than we thought they would. Let's just put it like that, right? Alabama yep. got pushed around a little bit, and by the fourth quarter, Texas was able to implement what they maybe worked up to all game. So, do you, do you think they shoot up to like top three or top four in the rankings when they, the new AP rankings come out? For the eight, they were eleven. By the way, they were eleven. They beat Alabama, who's three. So you've got Georgia number <laughs> one, Michigan number two, maybe unless Texas were to hop them. And then Florida State's at four. Do you think that they, they squeeze Probably. in there into that top four? Probably. AP's always tough. They, they hurdle Ohio State. AP never makes sense, so it's tough to predict. Like It's like, <laughs> it's like asking what the NCAA is going to do for punishment for each individual school. But, uh, yeah, I mean, oh they probably God. go top five. Because that, that's how, you know, whenever we talk about this stuff, it's always defined by what question we're asking. Are we asking power ratings? Are we asking true talent? Are we asking what the AP poll should be and what the college playoff right. should be? Because the sport, the way the sport's set up is different than, like, natural normal rankings so yeah i think that 
they should probably go top five for sure. Big win. So where the- where are they in your ratings then? Like, does Texas get upgraded above anybody? Are they? I because I, you had them. I think. You had them top 10 in your power ratings, right? I had Texas uh, pulling it up right now. If you want to check these out, go to patreon.com slash college football tailgate. Only $5 a month. I post my top 50 every week. I had Texas before this, number six in the country. So obviously I was ahead of Texas. I upgraded them a little bit to start the year. Um, They'll probably climb to fifth, only one spot. But, you know, that's behind Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, Michigan. Now here's the thing. I don't know, because I have to see what we're going to do about Alabama. I haven't put this through the computer yet. I don't really want to do the eye test with Alabama. I'm going to see what the numbers say. But last week, I had Alabama, and we talked about this. I was up, right? I was higher on Alabama than the market. I had them number two, about, uh, well, 28.19, so 28.2 about. And then I had Texas, 21.94, so about 22. So about 6.2 points better at Alabama. So after the adjustments, I mean, we'll probably go a couple points up for Texas, a couple points down for Bama. You know, they'll probably be similar teams, I think, after this. And most people go, wait a minute. Texas just went to Alabama, beat them by 10. How the hell can they be similar teams? And that's just, I mean, you could say the same thing about Georgia and Alabama two years ago when they played in the SEC championship. Sure. And then Georgia came back and, well, well, Alabama all but, you know, embarrassed them in the SEC championship. And then Georgia all but embarrassed them in the national championship. So, Football fans think that we see one game, and that's the answer. But these power rankings, and my power rankings have been accurate for years, they'll tell you one game doesn't prove anything. Now, a substantial upgrade, downgrade is is necessary. But I think Alabama will probably fall to fourth or fifth. I think Texas will probably climb to fourth or fifth, and they'll be similar. So, Yeah, for sure. Look, I'm excited to see what Alabama does moving forward because I feel like <clears throat> they're a good enough team with how Milrow played, you know, to win a lot of games and be competing in the SEC. But he did have a couple of bad picks in that game, and uh, he's just got to clean that up. And that was my biggest question mark going in was, yeah. you know, uh, what's his passing game uh, talent like? But, you know, he can definitely clean that turn- stuff up. But anyway. Let's, uh, before we move off that game, I just want to look at the, the turnovers real quick because that always tells a picture. You win the turnover battle, you win the game outright about 75% of the time in college football. Yeah, Alabama turned the ball over uh, – uh, twice, and twice, Texas right? did not turn the ball over. Uh, Texas yep. had more first downs, more yards. They were the better team last night. Massive win for Sark, uh, and they go to the SEC next year. Like, at the end of the game, the Texas fans that were there broke out an SEC chant, which was pretty <laughs> funny. It. It's like, hey, listen, we can compete with you guys. Sark only the third um, the third former assistant to beat uh, Saban ever. So the I Apprentice believe the only three are. The master. Jimbo Fisher, uh, Jimbo Fisher, Kirby Smart, and uh, and now Sark. So pretty impressive, massive win. I'm happy for Horns fans out there. They're they're always flirting with back, not back. And uh, again, a lot a lot of season left to be played, but big win for the Horns fans. So uh, we love Steve that. Sarkeesh can. Sarkeesh can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next up, we need to talk about. It's the biggest story in college football. It's the Colorado Buffs. They take care of business against Nebraska at home. Not only do they cover, but Tyler, they blow them yep. out. Massive victory. Shadur huh? Sanders Woo-hoo. plays. Oh. Uh, they look good for like a half, maybe. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> um, I went to the game. I have season tickets to the Buffs games. I've been to a lot of Nebraska at Colorado games. This was the single 
least amount of red I've ever seen in the stands. Now they still showed up, but honestly, it was no different than there's quite a bit there. It was but no yeah. different, in my opinion, than like a normal conference game. I think that when when you get good, when you get Oregon, who's really good, and they travel, or you get Utah. Utah's a better example because you can see the red, and the red also pops out. It, it's it's like a it, it, when you get a couple people in a section with red, it just sticks out, right? You get a couple a couple people in a section wearing like green or something, it, it doesn't nearly look like as much. So sure. there were not that many Nebraska fans. And actually I watched the replay back last night on TV and it looked worse on TV. Love that. It looked worse on TV than it did at It did yeah, I was yeah. gonna say when I saw on TV it looked like there was a good amount of red there. No, dude. Well and especially comparatively, right? Because a lot of times it's like fifty fifty you know, like when see right, bad. Right. But I would say it was uh, eighty-five, fifteen Buffs fans. Okay, yeah. that's fair. Which is about normal. That's all. But yeah, it was loud there. I mean, just loud. a great oh. game overall. Uh, I mean, it, I will say for the first half, it felt like, hey, Nebraska's in this if Jeff Sims just will get out of his own fucking way. But hey, that's their quarterback. Unfortunately, that's the way Wasn't it goes. That my handicap, even though? after Wasn't all those turnovers. Handicap? Three picks last week. He did everything. One-dimensional offense. If he doesn't do it, isn't it exactly my handicap last week? Sorry, I'm riding high. It sounds, sound, it's sounds a, very it's familiar. It's been a long yes. 25 years. I'm, I'm, I, I get the right to do this. <laughs> Dude, I get it, man. I get it. Um, I told, This is how it felt when Michigan finally beat Ohio State. It was like, oh, this is fucking amazing. Like, I, yeah, you watched the replay that night. I did the same <laughs> thing when Michigan finally beat Ohio State. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So, But, yeah, look, man, they just continue to impress, and it's crazy. I wonder... Just again, I want insights on the professional betting side here because all the reports were like, hey, the money is four to one in favor of, <laughs> of CU here. There's more money on this game than there is on any NFL game, any other college game. Like, how much of a hit do you think the books took with with CU winning that game? Like, did they just get cleaned out, basically? Well, I mean, I don't think they got cleaned out because the books usually do a good job to leverage themselves so they're not. Well, let's go through this first, and I'll make this a quick point. We won't spend too much time. The misconce- a big misconception about sports books and bookies is that they want 50% action on each side. They take the loser's money, right. pay the winners, and keep the 10% that you know is left over. That's not really what happens. Most games, I would say 80% of games, they're taking a side. Now, what side they're taking sure. is usually the sharp side. They see what people who win betting the sports take. You know, let's do a quick example. Let's say Ohio State, Michigan, and uh, it's uh, it's in Michigan this year. Let's say Michigan is minus three, okay? And let's say a really, really well known better goes to the window and bets who's who's very known. He's known to be a winner. Ever, you know, he he goes sixty percent. Like he is a good a Billy Walters type, you know, a, a a good famous winning better. And he bets Michigan minus three. Well, what they'll do is. That sports book now has the information that no other sports book has. This winning sports better likes Michigan minus three. So while all the other sports books in the world are the same price, Michigan minus three, they will now go Michigan uh, minus four. Three and a half. Right? So they're, so now it's attractive okay. for the Ohio State bettors. So now everyone who bets Ohio State is going to go to that book because it's plus four, and they're not really going to move the line once the Ohio State bettors come in because they don't want 50-50. They want Michigan minus three or even Michigan minus four, and they're willing to take Ohio State plus four. So good books. See, it's the shitty sports books that kick people out. Like, it gets me so upset because really, if you're just an idiot looking to copy lines and make money, you're going to kick people out, right? If you're a good bookmaker, you take this information and use it. There's a lot of money to be made from information of good sports bettors. If you just kick them out, you know, you're 
losing good information. So I don't think the books necessarily got killed. We hear all the time leverage, leverage. You know, you oh, they're, the CU has four to one money on this game. Well, I don't necessarily believe that number. I think that what probably happened is at some point they got a lot of buyback because they you know never take that much of a side. But maybe they got beat up a little bit. You know, maybe some books, if they said, no, we think Nebraska's the right side, come back Colorado, all the squares out there, but Colorado was a very public side this week, all the squares out there, come oh, yeah. bet CU, and they took the side of Nebraska, but I don't think that they got beat up. You know, bookies always bitch and complain when they don't win money, so it's always going to be worse than the media. They always, they're, sure. they're, they're always sour grapes. They're a bunch of sore losers. They're not hurting that bad. They're yeah. always sore, but it's never that bad. Never well, that bad. Already, we're seeing like now they're gonna just start laying fat lines on CU to well, see what minus happens. Minus twenty-one. Now, open up next week. Yeah, against Colorado State, which, by the way, <laughs> yeah, which is a huge uh, yeah. line. Which uh, I mean, the the swing again. It can't be. I, I can sit here all day and say that I think a lot of the stuff that Prime does is annoying, but I can't argue with results, man. Like he's doing, he's doing such an amazing job. We've never seen a turnaround like this ever. We've never. never seen a turnaround from one of the worst teams in college football to now being one of the most competent teams in college football. I still have questions about can they run the ball, you know, uh, consistently. But at this point, it's like, hey, if they want to just have Shadur Sanders go out there and fucking ball out on everybody, okay. it seems to be two working, and all, we're going to find out soon against... Two things. First of all, go ahead. his name's Shadur Sanders. Everyone says it too fast, and they go, Shitter Sanders. It's not Shitter Sanders. It's should. I didn't say Shitter. Well, it sounds like it when you got... Everyone says it too <laughs> I fast. I said Shadur. It's Shadur Sanders, okay? So that's first of all. Second of all, and let's be realistic, okay? Shitter. Let's be, and now I'm just going to call him Shitter all year long. <laughs> let's just be... Because you let, go to me Let's be realistic this. about this, okay? CU just beat a TCU team that has major question marks. Uh, one of the few teams to be in the national championship and open outside the top 15 the next season. Right? It's not like that was a huge yep. shock that that offense was, well, the offense right. scored a lot. And then Nebraska, who, even though they played well week one, they're not, you know, a, a tremendous team. It's not like that offense is going right. to do a lot in the Big Ten this year. I think they do have a good defense. And the Buffs were able to kind of wear yeah. them down, but still a program in a bad in bad so, shape, so, though. Obviously, you know, we CU looks a hell of a lot better than a lot of people thought they would, but there's still question marks. Like you said, the running game, stopping the run consistently gets a really good opponent. I mean, CU in the first game against TCU was finding everything they want to do in the passing game, and Nebraska shot a lot of that down. Going into halftime, even though it was yeah. thirteen nothing, my takeaway was wow. Do they have? Are they tapped into Colorado's headset? Like, do they have a lip reader right. guy reading the reading Sean Lewis's lips? Because they knew every single thing the Buffs were going to do. So I was very impressed with Nebraska's yep. defense in the first half. So yeah, I think if we're, if we're being realistic, and you know, I'm going to you know get all excited for my Buffs, but honestly, we still have a lot to figure out for this team and a loaded Pac-12 this year. It's going to be different when they hit conference play. Yeah, agreed. And they got two. I mean, they play Colorado State, but then it's what? Uh, it's at Oregon and yep. USC at home, yep. I think, or is it the other no, way around? Uh, that's correct. Uh, USC at home. Um, yeah. yeah. Those are two yeah. big ones. So we're going to find out a lot about them. But even still, a massive win for CU. Uh, it was probably the most, like, I, I probably more people watch Texas Alabama, but I bet you when the ratings come out, the CU Nebraska game was not far behind. Uh, that was like one of the, the, it was the marquee, you know, noon kickoff game. And so. Uh, massive, massive win I went for the, to the uh, right, let's, let's I went run. to the big noon kickoff. It was in Boulder. So it was really cool. I'd never been to one of those. I'd never been to a, a game day, never been to a big noon kickoff. Right. And it was really cool. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, sure. Yeah, it was cool to see 
you know, Herb and uh, Brady Quinn up close and, you know, Mark Ingram. It was it was really cool to see. And, you know, they got the. Yeah, you and Smitty were, were texting me and you were like, hey, we got uh, you, I got a clean line. Of, uh, I got a clean line of sight at Urban. And I was like, fucking throw something at him. Like, <laughs> right. what? You guys didn't have my back at all. I did not. I didn't want to get arrested doing anything like that. But <laughs> it was uh, it was funny because at one of the breaks, because I, the the students for being as drunk as they were, my God, dude. Uh, they were pretty well behaved because oh, yeah. at the commercial they got the fuck Nebraska like loud, but then they came back and they were you know still a little vulgar, but it was TV appropriate. So <laughs> I saw some funny signs though. Uh, my my favorite sign was this one, <laughs> just one that said "I shove cord up my ass." I was like, okay, okay, wow, uh, love um, that. Oh. I wonder if that made it on TV because right? uh, sometimes they like they, they they take away certain signs. They sort of doing that game. Day. I'm sure Husker, they do it at, at Big Noon. Yeah, Kick. all kinds of Husker puns, all kinds of stuff. It was there were some great signs, but uh, yeah. Did you have any interactions with Nebraska fans? Did you talk? Did did you talk to any away fans while you were there? I sat right by one, um, and it was like one of the only ones in our section, right? Because I think they think they're going to go and be surrounded by support, so they can be a little, you know, like well, at least that's been my experience before. But they they get there to the seats and they like look around like oh wow there's a lot of black up here so um, yeah I sat right next to one um, you know I was I was cordial throughout the game you know we you know, sure I, I'm not like a you know but I cheer for my team I get loud when they're on defense stuff like that but I wasn't a dick yeah yeah you're just not being an asshole you're not like no. like rubbing no, it no, in no, their no, face no. or whatever by the end of the game though we were yeah, talking about good on, stuff. Good on you yeah, for that but it, it was funny because they sit down and I and I heard them and it, it, it's like every Nebraska fan they just Hey, if we were on the football, this this game's over. That was like the Nebraska thing going in. We just got to run the ball. We'll be fine. It's like, okay. Yep. And that worked out well. Easier said than done. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, big game. Well, massive win for the Buffs. But, uh, okay, let's keep it going. We got Friday night, Kansas took care of Illinois. Jalen Daniels oh, came Lil. back. Offense looked real good. Uh, I'm, I think I'm back on the Rock Chalk yeah, Jayhawk. Your Jayhawks are back, Tyler. Will. You're, you're back and they're back. <laughs> they do cover. We love that. Um, USC Stanford, Caleb Williams again. He hasn't played anybody yet. Stanford looked pretty bad, but Caleb Williams firmly in the driver's seat for for going back to back Heisman. The first guy to do it since Archie Griffin. So uh, at this point, I don't see anyone that's going to dethrone him for the Heisman rating. Not even Shadur. Is that slow enough? Um, well, or well, Travis Hunter? I think Shadour. I think Caleb Williams is going shitter. Um, <laughs> I didn't say shitter. I said shitter. My point is, everyone says it so fast. Let's let's give him some little respect, huh? All right, all right. Shout out. Um, Notre Dame, NC State. The Irish take care of business. Uh, Notre Dame looking better and better again. It's not. I wouldn't say NC State was the stiffest competition, but man, I just I'm so I cannot wait for this Notre Dame Ohio State game because it's the first big game for both of those two teams. I think we're gonna just learn so much about it. But Sam Hartman continues to. Uh, to look pretty good and again i don't know i, I know that uh, we're on opposite sides of this tyler but you know notre dame just they, they seem like a legit like maybe a playoff contender team to me and uh we're gonna find out more we, we will but, find uh, out more will i uh okay I... utah takes care of business at baylor that was a major trap game they pull it out late uh still without cam rising whenever he comes back they're going to be a lot better but That's this next game tyler, this was I the real trap game a, well i gave that out as a teaser this week and that's why you te- that's Love why it. you tease him down. Yeah, if you had the half point hook, uh, it was a tough spot for you. And by the way, if you watched that game, Utah was lucky to get out with a win. Honestly, Baylor outplayed them for like three and a half quarters, 
and then Utah gets a late pick and uh, and is able to score the the tying touchdown and then a go ahead touchdown and so um, you know real it, it's a it's a good win for Utah again if you want to if if they want to continue on the path like hey we want to make the playoff they have to win games like this and the fact they're doing it without their starting quarterback is really impressive and that Baylor team you know I know they lost week one against Texas State but they lost their quarterback they lost um, uh, Blake Shapin and so. Uh, you know, that Baylor team is still tough. That's still a very dangerous, talented team. And that was for sure a trap game. So they get out, you know, uh, with the skin of their back. And so another trap game here in Tower. I have a sore spot about this Uh-oh. one. Oregon, Texas Tech. Oregon covers the seven and a half. The line was moving. You could have even caught it six and a half, seven, early in the game. I, of course, was on Texas Tech. So here's what happened. Late night, uh, at, towards the end of the day on Saturday, I placed a uh, three-team parlay. Okay. Right, it included. It was a live bet. Was the first one on Oklahoma to uh, to cover against SMU, and I think it was fourteen and a half. They pull that out, and then I went all in on the great state of Texas. I, I took Texas Tech plus seven, and I took um, I took uh, Texas Longhorns plus seven as well. Okay. It might have been seven and a half for Texas Tech. I can't remember that line was kind of fluid, but Texas Tech playing a great game. All game long, this game was back and forth. It was a, honestly a really good game. Tyler Shuck played really fantastic against his former team. Um, and then Oregon kicks a field goal to go ahead. They're up one. I think there's about a minute and a half or two minutes left. And uh, Texas Tech is driving. Tyler Shuck is, is, drops back to, to throw the ball. He scrambles to the left. He gets some pressure. He gets hit as he throws. And it was just one of these awkward ones, very freak play. We're talking about with less than a minute to go. Freak play, and the ball just, because he gets tackled, it goes straight to an Oregon defensive lineman who was running a very straight, like it was just a, this was a bad beat by all by all measure. Oregon, it just goes straight to this guy who is already running towards the end zone. They get a pick oh, six. By the way, dude. if he was smart, he would have gone right. down so they could have knelt it out because even still Texas Tech had a Hail Mary chance to score a touchdown. But if you if you were on the Oregon side, congratulations for you. But if you're on the Texas Tech side, that was a horrific beat, and the other two bets hit, and that cost me some money, and that one really hurt. I really thought, like, man, I'm there. Even if Texas Tech doesn't score, they're going to only lose by one here. Uh, maybe they'll kick a field goal to win, and you get the pick six late. That one really crushed my soul, honestly. Oh, that's tough, Will. That is tough. I'm sorry about that. There's nothing worse than losing that way. You know, I'll always take a 40-point loss over something close like that. At least you can turn the page and move on. Agreed. Yeah, that's tough. And, and you know, winning those, it feels great, it, but losing them is always tough. So I, I feel for you, man. Horrible bad beat. But you know what? We keep going on. We, we do it for fun. Tower does it for a living. I do it for fun because if I did it for a living, I'd be homeless. <laughs> so, um, so that's the good news. But, yeah, that was a bad beat. That one sucked. Uh, North Carolina – Barely escapes App State at home. Wow. This was a rematch from last year. North Carolina was a 19-point favorite, and it goes to double overtime. They get the victory over App State. They stay undefeated. But, um, you know, App State's just so dangerous, and that team, of course, felt felt comfortable playing North Carolina after what happened last year. But they do get the victory, so Mac Brown stays alive another yeah. day another day to, uh, to eat a sandwich <laughs> or something. That's what I expect Tyler to say. Oh, you beat me so. to it. <laughs> um, Wisconsin. So tell me about this game, because I know you were on, you, you gave out Washington State, plus you said, hey, buy the half point to get to seven. I think the line closed at like five and a half, but Washington State wins outright. First loss for Luke Fickle. 
uh, really impressive win for for Wazoo there. Yeah, well, and my instruction was if you can get that 10 cents, certainly by the seven. Um, I thought it was worth it. Like you mentioned, it did close five and a half, so we had some uh, big value there. But, yeah, they get the win at home. This is this is what I talked about last week, that I, I believe Luke Fickle is going to change things at Wisconsin, but let's not overreact with a bull win and, right. and, and the hype so far. Washington State's a good team. You know, people discount the Pac-12. I can't believe they were getting that many points at home, and they went out right now. Let's look at the turnovers because that matters. Wisconsin turned the ball over three times to uh, Washington State zero, right? They outgained Washington State, had more first downs than Washington State, so it's not like they went in there and were the worst team, but you can't turn the ball over in that situation. And, uh, well, in that situation being on the road. And think about the travel, West Coast, later game. You know, I mean, look at yards per pass, too. They let Washington State throw for 7.6 yards per pass. Pretty efficient from uh, from Wazoo. So, overall, they get the win as a, uh, yeah, we gave it out, what, six and a half, seven on the show. By the way, uh, we were uh, six and three last week on the show. Uh, six and three overall. So Love that. Huge. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and uh, look, yeah. Um, that that was kind of my my nervousness when we broke down that game was like hey, you know I I you and I were both pretty high on Wisconsin going into the sure. season uh, with Luke Fickle and for good reason he's a great coach but again like trying to take an a an offensive unit that's used to lining up in the power eye and running it sixty times a game and then bringing in an air raid system uh, there's an adjustment there clearly and even though I think Tanner Mordecai is a really talented quarterback I really don't know if they have the personnel the personnel to run kind of this right. air raid system, and, and some of that showed up in this game. But big win for Washington State. By the way, Pac-12 almost went undefeated yeah. again, Tyler. <laughs> yeah. We we were almost undefeated through two weeks, and unfortunately the only team that lost was Cal. Auburn gets the win, but Tyler gets the bet board victory. You were on uh, Cal plus, what, five and a half, uh, I think, or five, four and a half, something like that? Six and a half. Six and a half. And, uh, and Auburn does get the win on the road on the West Coast playing super late. They kicked off at like... 10 or 11 p.m. Eastern or something. This is definitely the latest kick Auburn has ever played in their entire history. <laughs> but they get the win, but Cal covers. And so now we're still we're tied on the bet board two, again, two. dude. Tied on the bet board. Yep. Um, that's how that goes. You were right, though. Yeah. The the Auburn offense was was very uh, – wasn't great. The Auburn defense looked really good. I got, you got to give them seven credit. Seven total but, turnovers in um, game. The Auburn offense seven, was not great. Yeah, seven yeah. turnovers. It was an uh, ugly game. Yeah, Cal held the ball for – 35 minutes, but yeah, Auburn gets the win, but uh, Cal gets the cover. They are now 10-4 and four against SEC opponents against the spread since 2017. Nice. Rough weekend for the SEC, honestly. You had a lot of, of uh, teams getting wins against SEC teams. The SEC has not looked fantastic in non-conference play so far through two weeks, but again, we, it's not like we're going to discount them and say they suck or anything, but uh, I'm sure they'll, they'll figure it out, and, and obviously we expect you know the top teams to be the top teams, but it does feel like this this college ball landscape is maybe more even than ever. When you look at, you know, hey, maybe Alabama's not quite as dominant as we are used to seeing. We don't really know about Georgia just yet with the new quarterback in and everything, Carson Beck, even though we all kind of still expect them to be number one. You never know. It's hard to repeat championship yeah, three times. Well, t- times so they are, it uh, seems like an even college football who landscape. sings... Old times, they are a changer. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, baby. Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. Him and uh, he kind of sounds like a bit of a goat. He's got a little goat thing going on. And times, they are a changer. <laughs> he does. He does have some goat, goat thing, thing going, going on. on. You're yeah. right. I'm a, I'm a Bob Dylan yep. guy, but uh, still, he's got a little. He's a little goatish. Wouldn't it be cool though? 
for the Pac-12 to go out on top to have like an amazing <laughs> yes. year in their last year. Yes. Like it, it does suck if you're if that because you look at the Pac-12 and you go, hey, look, there's actually some really great programs here, and the bottom teams are getting better. You know, like the 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 middle of the Pac-12 is is very good, honestly. Like there's a lot of good teams in that middle of the pack. And it kind of sucks where it's like, man, if they could have just made something work to get a TV deal, we wouldn't have all this conference realignment bullshit. We could keep things how we like them. You know, it, it, that part does suck, but I'm happy for all the, Pac-12, the, the Pac-12 programs out there because, honestly, it looks like there's some really good teams in the Pac-12 yeah, right now. this is how you want to go out. You want to go out on top and then let the whole thing dissolve, crash and burn. <laughs> yeah. It certainly is crashing and burning. Uh, Ole Miss takes care of Tulane on the road. Uh, if you look at the score, you go, wow, this wasn't close. But if you saw that game, uh, Ole Miss needed some luck to uh, to cover late. They do get the uh, the cover, and, and they remain undefeated. Uh, but almost, that Tulane team was I, tough. Oh, I was so close to taking Tulane that game. But I didn't because oh, of man. the— Oh, man, it would have been a roller coaster. Yeah, oh, God, I'm glad I didn't then. <laughs> it was a real roller coaster. They got they almost covered late on the most bullshit phantom Facebook or Facebook uh, face mask <laughs> that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but then, you know, Ole Miss gets, uh, gets a late— uh, scoop and score, they cover there. So Ooh. nice job for uh, for Lane Kiffin and the Reds. Uh, ice cream shop, scoop and score, scoop yeah. and score. I love yes. that. You put it in, a, in college towns yes. only, in football mm-hmm. towns, and it's like football themed everything. You get your ice cream and a football helmet. That's actually a brilliant there fucking we idea. We need to. We might need to bleep that so that no one else can steal that idea. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Scoop yeah. and score, dude. Scoop and score ice cream. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Um, okay, Texas A&M-Miami. This was the other game that blew up my parlays. I was really big on the Aggies and massive win for Mario Cristobal. This was the battle for the hot seat. Uh, Jimbo Fisher firmly on it after this performance, mostly from their defense, by the way. Bobby Petrino, he comes in. He's calling the plays on offense, and the offense looked pretty good. Honestly, I don't think this is why they lost the game. They end up losing by 15, but the A&M defense got gashed. By Miami, I mean, a very impressive game from Tyler Van Dyke. Um, things are looking good. If Miami can play like this all year long, it, they're going to be uh, that Miami Florida State game is going to be massive because I was I walked away very impressed with with Miami in this one. I mean, my, they both played really well. You know, 433 yards for Texas A and M, 451 for Miami. I didn't necessarily see the the lackluster offense for performance from A&M you know I thought that they no, no no that's not what I was saying I was saying their defense oh, okay. their offense was fine well, but, um, their offense looked good the bl- like that to me it's I, I was sorry go ahead no they, they uh you know I don't love they threw the ball 53 times but I mean that's probably just that's that's Petrino you know, for you is, though and that's probably part of their game plan coming in but yeah I mean Miami, Miami looked really good at home though it's a four and a half really point good. favorite pulling away late I mean I don't know if we put Jimbo in that class anymore you know, like, I don't want to overreact, but I've had question marks for a long time. He's gotten some of the best recruits in college football for, I mean, wasn't that the, wasn't that like what everyone was saying for for years? Like, wow, look at A&M, another top class, another top class. Oh, yeah. Well, I know some guys oh, yeah. transferred out, but they still have a huge, huge talent base to, to coach up and to, and to get ready in that system. Agreed. And they had 20 returning starters this year. It's not like, you know, now I know, again, they have a lot to le- to, to learn there, but. I'm not really impressed with what's going on at A&M. I think it's another average year for him, and I think that Jimbo could be one of the first coaches fired this year. If things keep going this way, I don't want to I totally agree. But yeah. He was already on the hot seat, and again, I, I think bringing in Petrino was a smart move and giving up the reins of play calling. Um, 
And look, it's it's ultimately just one loss, non-conference. The season is still ahead of them. But I'm I agree with you 100%. He is he's number one on the asses of fire uh, candidate right now. And uh, you know, as they start losing and getting down late, like the camera was on him the whole time, and I think it's going to be a bad spot. Um, I don't know. To me, very impressed with Miami and Tower. This is where I would. This is if I was a CU fan. The one thing that would make me nervous was a school like A and M firing Jimbo <laughs> Fisher and throw and backing up the Brinks truck oh to Coach Prime. Does that give you pause at all? Seeing how fast he's turned things around, you know, there's big programs out there going, "Hey, we'd love to have all this fucking media and attention right now and all the positive stuff." This would be the the kind the type because I I think that he I do think that Coach Prime likes it at Colorado and I I've always gone in thinking like he's got two to three years in for sure. But if a team like A&M backs up the Brinks truck and gives them the same amazing deal that he's got at CU, which is like you're getting a percentage of ticket sales and merch and all this shit, that would be a school that would make me nervous. Do we have to do this? Like, do you really have to do this? This is the only... It's not about... It's not about... I'm not trying to take anything away from you. But you have to consider it. Like, there's, I think there's only a handful of schools that can pull it off, by the way. And A&M could maybe be one of them. What you're saying... I believe there's a lot of truth and validity too. You know, I think if they bring, he's said he's someone who needs to be needed. If they give him a double the money, ten million, fifteen million, let's say he sets a record, he brings. You know, I, I, that could happen. And I don't think my expectation is not that he's going to be at CU for a long time or forever. You know, I'm right. not one of these people who like, you know, thinks that you're going to be somewhere forever. I, I had it was weird when I first got going in, in radio. I had a young boss who. You know, I, I don't think he obviously he didn't have that much experience and, you know, he didn't handle things, in my opinion, that well when I left. You know, I thought that they thought I was going to stay at a little radio station in Greeley, Colorado for my career. And when I had other aspirations, they looked at me as like I was like betraying them. Right. So I've kind of right. have personally had experience to where I don't I'm not too hard on people for that. It, there's. There are destination jobs at every profession, and I'm not I'm not dumb enough or blind enough to think that the University of Colorado is a destination job ahead of A&M or anywhere in the SEC, things like that, especially with the money that comes with something like that. So I've never thought if he leaves us, he's betraying us. I thought, I'll take it while I can get it. Let's bring some positivity sure. here. Let's get some good players here, turn things around, and get back on the right track. You know, Colorado has been a bad program the last couple of years, but if you look at the last 20 – not a whole lot of bowl seasons, not a whole, but it's not a lot of like one win seasons either. There's a lot of five, six win years, seven sure. win years in there, you know. And so I think that I just want to get back to where we're not, you know, a laughing stock, and he's done that. But I'm not sure, you know. I think he has a job to do here. I think that that, that Coach Prime wants to accomplish something, and so I think at worst case scenario, he's going to go to a good bowl, get a good win, start, you know, be, be start, you know, being on the map again for college football. If I had to guess right now, let's put an over-under and see if we can get maybe a bet board here. Um, <laughs> I think right now, if I were to make a price, i say I wouldn't put a half in there. I wouldn't go two and a half or three and a half. I would go a flat three, including this year. Three years? Yeah, so I'd say 23, 24, 25, and in that offseason, I think it's that's where I'd put the line right now at minus 110. What do you think? So – was was Shadur was he a freshman at last year? Like, is this his second year playing? This is his? I believe this is third year playing. I think he's he's NFL eligible. 
Interesting, because that's the only thing that would where I'd go, hey, he's going to stay as long as his son is. Because now he can't, if he wanted to go to another school, Shadur can't transfer with him because you only get one. You only get one free transfer where you don't have to right, sit out a right. year. I guess unless he graduated and he could be a grad transfer. I don't know what his academic situation is like, but that's certainly a big factor. If it was going to be, I think three is a fair number, but I wouldn't want to take over, to be honest with you. Um and again, like uh, it, it's a testament to how fucking incredible he's doing right now. But you know, again, like uh, I, th- I think that I think you're right. I think we're gonna see. I, I don't think Jimbo Fisher is gonna last very long at A and M, and it'll be interesting just to see who who gets there. But a uh, huge win for Cristobal to, to get his program in the right in the right shape. And by the way, that win probably buys him some time. You know, uh, as far as as his hot seat goes even though i think he's got buy-in from the program there but so right now, really big win for my uh, right now a mock draft this is just the first one i pulled up cbssports.com they've got shadur sanders next year in the draft going 29th overall to the san francisco 49ers no shit yes. wow. yeah, so they got uh, wow. caleb williams the first quarterback taken over number one overall drake may the second quarterback taken and then uh jj mccarthy they have him going third, nice. so they got J.J. McCarthy. He's looking pretty good. Michael Penix Jr., big quarterback oh, draft yeah. next year, man. Holy cow. Oh, dude, there's so many There's so many good quarterbacks in this draft. It's going to be and crazy. The f- uh, there's so many good quarterbacks in college football right now, really talented guys. I mean, look at fucking Bo Nix. Bo Nix is going to have draft yeah. stock. Yeah. Um, he's he's looked really good for Oregon, and so um, agree with you. But either, either way, big win. The last game I wanted to uh, touch on here, Tyler, was the Cyhawk. Now, Iowa covers. Uh, that was a loser I gave out. But the main point here is we got to check in on wins and average points per game here for for uh, Brian <laughs> Ferentz because yeah, he only it. scored he only scored twenty points wow. the first week he scored twenty four he's officially behind he's the ball he's got to start he's got to start scoring thirty plus points per game in order to get to that sweet spot even though they're winning he's got to average twenty five points per game and I don't think he's gonna do it I really don't they, they better have a cupcake scheduled soon where they can score 40 or 50 so wait, what, or else things they, are going to get real dangerous what, for what Brian Ferentz. Would they get 20 points last, last uh, week? The last week they got 24. Uh, Saturday they got 20. So, so yeah, they're officially 24? what? Uh, yeah, exactly. So, so next he's, week, they're, they're a, to get on track, to get back on track next week, they got to score 31. 30. Yeah, and it's going to get 31. worse every week they do this. This stuff adds up. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so next week they play. Let, let me look at their schedule. Yeah, it, um, it, it, it definitely adds up. Why is up? the like, schedule like this? What, what website are you on? Okay, they get, they get looks like Western Michigan next week, I think, the Broncos. So hopefully that's mm-hmm. one they can score. But then they're at Penn State. That's not going to be good. They <laughs> get Michigan State at home. I don't know. Purdue at Wisconsin, Minnesota, Northwestern. Rutgers, Illinois at Nebraska. What a so thing. I don't know, man. It's it's not looking good for Brian Ferentz. I don't think he's going to average twenty five per game. Even if they could win ten games and they might average twenty four points per game, that would be the most <laughs> the most hilarious way. Is if at the end of the season they average twenty four points per game, because uh, that would just be a tough way to lose it. And you have to wonder if they'll honor. If Kirk Kirk Ferentz is gonna is gonna rip that up and say he's that's my boy, you know, <laughs> exactly. or if uh, or if he'll cut him loose. Yeah, but I uh, about that. interesting. And by the way, last thing I want to talk about. Um, did you see the story that came out late last night? It's it's hot. Uh, Mel Tucker, he's in that that he may have coached his last game in Michigan State. Did you see this? No. Oh my gosh. Okay, so late. We're talking late last night, like halftime or later of the Cal Auburn game when most people are asleep or they're falling asleep on their couch watching the Pac-12 after dark game. Um, 
a story drops that uh, there's been a month long investigation into a sexual assault or sexual some sort of Title IX investigation um, at Michigan State, and it's about Mel Tucker. Wow. So this this is a wild story, and again, we're not going to jump to conclusions or be the jury here. It's innocent until proven guilty, but I will say the details here are really bad, and I think that even if he's not convicted of anything, this is enough for Michigan State to have cause. So there's this uh, woman who was a sexual assault survivor that has since become like a spokesperson um specifically for this kind of topic and she's gone around to what she goes around to universities and talks to athletes about like the dangers of this kind of stuff um her story is really sad and we won't get into the details um but she goes around and talks to like football teams and basketball teams and just like college students about like hey you know uh you know this is why you need to uh you know this is why this this topic is very important and why you guys need to be smarter about all this stuff blah 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 right so she um a couple of years ago, she spoke to the Michigan State team. Mel Tucker invited her to the team to speak to the team. She came back a year later to speak to him again. She was honored as like a captain at a football game or a basketball game or something. And she and Mel Tucker apparently stayed in contact. And the details of this case are that she's saying that he, by the way, he's married, um, that he started to get really inappropriate with her, started oh saying God. like, would you... Yes, what she's like apparently was saying, would you date me if I wasn't married, blah, blah, blah. And then the icing on the top or the icing on the cake here. And this is what I think is ultimately, I honestly think he's going to be fired. I don't think he's going to coach another game. But now this has come out is that he and he has already (laughs) he called her and masturbated on the phone while they were on the phone. And he in the details, the investigation have come out. He has admitted that happened, but he's saying it's consensual. And she's saying this was not consensual. And so, the, I, again, I think Mel Tucker could be fired by the end of today, legitimately. It's that wow. bad. Um, horrible. Dis- I mean, even if, again, even if it was consensual and she's lying about this, which I think is dubious at, uh, at best, um, that's still a horrible look for him. And if you think Michigan State isn't looking for any opportunity to get out of that insane contract, this would be the one where they can fire him with cause and not pay him any of that buyout money. It's bad. It's really bad. That's that's what I was just going to say is Michigan's going to want out of this thing. It was a bad contract to begin with. Wow, what a weird thing. What a creepy. What a fucking, what a creep and what an idiot, dude. That's like, again, if he's innocent and and it was consensual, then at the very least you're a fucking moron. And if it's true and he's guilty, then he's a fucking scumbag. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, just a whole messy situation regardless. But wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, I think we could see by the end of the day he's not that's coaching crazy. Michigan State I've always anymore. had the highest uh, regards for him, so that's weird that this would happen. But. <laughs> yeah, RIP Mel yeah. Fucker. Um, we've, we've always yes. been haters, but crazy story. And so well, there you go. Uh, you we'll know how, they, happens, how they but, say, like, your dog can tell, like, bad people, right? If your dog, like, doesn't like someone and they like everyone, like, your dog can let you know before you find out. Yep. That's kind of how I was with Mel Tucker, mm-hmm. I think. Oh, Layla Jones for sure totally never no, liked Mel Tucker. No. That's yes. a fact. That's a fact. Uh, any other games you wanted to note on, Tyler, before we get I mean, out of here? Just one. Oh, wait. For, yeah. We, we got to talk uh, next week's yeah, lines. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, we do. Let me get my uh, rankings up. Yeah, get your, um, get your ratings one, up. One here more we go. game that uh, – let's talk about one of my losses. I went 6-3. and three. Um, Just to quickly go over all my games last weekend that we're keeping track of. The losses were Bama Fire minus picks. seven. It was a bet board, uh, bet board game. Uh, ECU plus three, 
And then the teaser, Utah minus one and Alabama minus a half. So those were the three losers. Let's quickly talk about the ECU plus three against Marshall. You know, I mentioned it last week that I didn't have a good feeling about that. And this is exactly why you don't disrespect the market, you know, because. Right. And, and at the end of the day, I do trust my numbers. That's why I made the bet and I would do it again. But I had questions. I go, what is everyone who moves the line with millions of dollars seeing that I'm not seeing? Because most of the time, 98% of the time, when I'm when I have a different opinion about a line, I know why it, I disagree. Injury over adjustment, home field over adjustment, whatever it is, right? There's something I can point to and say, here's the look at the Northwestern game, right? I knew exactly why Northwestern was plus one and a half. It was my favorite bets, one of my, my favorite bets of the weekend. Yeah, they won by like 28 exactly. outright, by because the Because I could point to it and I just strongly disagreed. The ECU Marshall game scared me because I didn't know why. I, I, I thought I may have been overlooking an injury. I thought I may have had the wrong stadium. I, I was like, oh, Marshall must be the home team. So I couldn't figure it out. I still didn't at the end of the day. Now I trust my numbers. So like I said, I do it again, but that's a good reminder that don't disrespect the market. You know, the, the market's always going to humble you, always going to, you know, it's like math. Math is undefeated. Same thing here. So I, I, I don't make a, a habit of fading games like that where it's like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go against everyone else here. But I did last weekend, came in a loser, and uh, wanted to just reiterate that you got to be careful. The, the market is very smart, very efficient. You can't just go... You know, doing stuff like that. So, fair enough. So, I just went on a pregame, and they don't have any of the lines up. But I'm gonna, so I'm going to go off of, of Fanduel. We're going to look at the Fanduel lines here and see what's available FanDuel for next week's games. Open lines up. They get picked off. I know a lot of people who pick Fanduel. Oh, sure, yeah. Easy. You'll see a lot of of, uh, of variance here. So, um, okay, first up, Tyler, we've got. Let's see here. LSU at Mississippi State. Uh, what, what, what would your, by the way, Mississippi State got an overtime victory against uh, Arizona last night. Uh, nice win for the Bulldogs. LSU at Mississippi State, where would you have that game? You got LSU about 11 points better. Where is it being played? At Mississippi State. At Mississippi State. Let's go, let's go uh, four for home field-ish. I'd say right around. Uh, the Cowbells were four, yeah, huh? Yeah, I think so, given everything here. Hmm, I don't think I'm going to overdo it. I'm going to go. LSU minus seven to seven and a half. Eight and a half Eight on a FanDuel. Half. So they, they only gave uh, uh, Stark Vegas a three-point home, home field, not yes, four there. Yes. So and, and, and that's assuming uh, that they agree with my rankings. Maybe, you know, who, who knows? Maybe they did incorporate four, but they're a little bit uh, higher or lower on, on either, either of the teams, right? Because we do the team rating the second team rating, and then incorporate home field. So one of those three things is a, is obviously a disagreement with FanDuel. But, yeah, based on that line, I'd take uh, Wazoo and the – or Wazoo, uh, uh, Mississippi State and the 8.5. Mazu. We'll start calling him Mazu. <laughs> uh, all right, here's an interesting non-conference uh, matchup. Minnesota at UNC, North Carolina. Mm. Uh, I, didn't, I, I hadn't seen this one on the schedule. That's a very interesting matchup, too. Very different philosophical – uh, approaches so, to the so game. You got Minnesota at North Carolina. Minnesota. Interesting. What to do with them? Okay, so Minnesota right now in my rankings. Let's look them up. Okay, so I got again. Minnesota, Minnesota wants to like like take up the the ball and and run it three clouds of dust. And North Carolina is very opposite. Right. Okay, so I've got Minnesota. Ooh, um, I've, I'm pretty I've, surprised I've by this, this current line. By the way about five points better. And that's without any real adjustments for this week. Uh, where's it being played? 
At North Carolina. At North Carolina. We're going to go UNC minus seven and a half. Six and a half for uh, currently on FanDuel. Um, Let's see here. Tennessee at Florida. Little SEC East rivalry matchup here. Let's see. So Florida. Ooh, okay. I got Florida in the mid-30s. And then uh, who are they playing? Tennessee? Ten- oh, ten- this is Tennessee the largest, uh, in Gainesville. Outdoor, this is the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, right? No, that's Florida, Georgia. Mm, that's right. Okay, so I've got Tennessee about 12 points better, and it's in Florida? Yep. Hmm, let's go Tennessee minus 8.5 or 9. Ding, 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 ding. 8.5. Okay. Well done, sir. Uh, right on the market. we got to find some value plays for you here. That's what we're really looking yes. for. Um, let's go. Uh, they don't have all the games here. All right, last one we're going to do here. We've got Pittsburgh at West Virginia. Where do you got this one? A little, little rivalry matchup. Okay, so Pittsburgh right around that 30-ish range. West Virginia right around that 60-ish range. We've got Pitt... About a touchdown better. Where's it being played? Morgantown, West Virginia. Let's go Pitt minus uh, four. Oh, boy. I think we may have found a value play here, Tyler, because currently on FanDuel, West Virginia is favored by one and a half. Really? So this could be a big a big uh, value play for you here. Week? Do we know what, what? They lost. Pitt lost to Cincinnati at home. Mm, okay, so that so – Pretty pretty disappointing loss so I have for, to do uh, for upgrades Pat and downgrades. But let's say let, let's say that based on this number we discount we downgrade Pittsburgh two points. So now they're five points better. What did West Virginia do last week? Uh I don't remember, but uh I, they won. I'm trying to let me look and see if I can find it in here. I well, don't think it was against anyone. They beat Decane okay. so fifty six let, to let's seventeen. Let's keep West Virginia the same and let's downgrade uh two points for Pittsburgh. That, I still have Pittsburgh okay. five points better, and it's being played right. in West Virginia, so let's give them three for home. Yeah, I still have it minus two. I mean, even if we give them four for home and I can get to the minus one range, it's a, it, that's a, a good play for me. So, yeah, I, I would take Pitt. feels very Pat Narduzzi-like to lose a game you know, uh, against against Cincinnati, you're not supposed to at home, and then you know they'll probably take down someone really like that. They'll probably beat you know a Florida State or a Miami when they're not really supposed to when they're underdogs. That's always kind of been well, the vibe I get. Well, from look, him. I, I, that was just off the top of my head. Maybe that's too much of a downgrade. So I mean, I still may land on the two to three range for Pittsburgh being a favorite. Stay tuned. Uh, Wednesday night, the show's going to come out. We'll talk all these lines and uh, see what I do like there. But initial reaction is I. I like Pittsburgh without doing it really any other uh, research right now. Okay, might be a pick on Wednesday. Again, he said it. Uh, check out our Wednesday show. We're going to be giving out our picks. Listen Wednesday night if you want to get those lines before they move, honestly. Uh, that's the best time to do it. But follow us on Twitter. It's at CFB underscore pod. Join the Patreon if you want to help support the show. Patreon.com slash college football tailgate. And again, we'll be back Wednesday with producer Smitty to break down week three's picks. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.